welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And Ellie. We are doing an unedited episode. That is our goal. Um, Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Unless we say something like our social security number out loud. Hey, Alia, did I need to pay you back for something? Here's my credit card number. Oh, better edit that out. Okay. So this is already starting out ridiculously but that's fine um we wanted to do just a personal slash catch-up episode it's been forever um i know uh the episodes have not been coming out as regularly as usual lately um we're going to talk about things that have been going on that contributed to that and a bunch of other shit um ellie do you want to start with how have your past couple months been? Um, I know you were dealing with COVID for a little bit. and uh, Yeah, after dodging the COVID bug for two years, I finally got it going to a friend's birthday party. Granted, I went to the perfect circumstances. Bird is basically you went to a friend's house with a couple of friends. It's going to be small. And they were like, you know what? We haven't been to the gay clubs lately. So we went to all the gay clubs in Houston. Oh, and, great. And it was a Friday. So everything was packed. And... Six feet did not, there was not six feet of space available anywhere in the club. Uh, Yeah. Even with the mask, out of the group of 15 that went, I was the only one who got it. What? Uh, What were your symptoms? What were your symptoms like? I know we talked about it, but tell everyone else all your stuff. Super mild, but I got hit with, uh, I got the antiviral treatment for it and basically blew through it in a week, no lasting symptoms. Yay. Hmm. Best case scenario for this. So gave me a little more time before I can get the booster, but that's okay. Um, what else? Mm-hmm. Um, burnt out as hell at work, but that's just kind of like a side thing because, you know, all work and no going out or doing anything personal that matters has been it sucks everyone knows it sucks so in fact doing this podcast is going to probably lift my spirits and make me feel like living again oh same what's like what's the antiviral treatment like did it have effects uh i could basically taste it in my mouth for the entire week oh i don't know if it's just because it has a very strong taste or because it's like the medicine or just because it like hits my blood and and you can like and it just sort of like sticks to your tongue as a result but that was the gross part and of course i felt like nauseous but that was of course also a side effect of the medicine and okay it it was better to have taken it and had it suck a little than risk the potentially catastrophic side effects of not yeah Uh, um was it in pill form or liquid pill form Oh, okay. It was like a two pill a day deal. Or sorry, three uh, pill. Damn. I mean, I'm already taking like six pills a day on unrelated stuff. Like, so you're like, add to the collection. Yeah, I, I space it out just so it doesn't all hit my liver immediately. So, you know, got the two estrogen twice a day, then because trans, got the antidepressant, got the third thing. Then the, occasionally the vitamin D, and then throw in some antivirals on top of that. Yay. Woo! Now you have my personal medical mix, folks. Hey. Not, not editing this, remember? <laughs> um, other than that, um, just mostly just doing work and um, just like everyone else, becoming increasingly like ira- enraged with all the news I hear, so... I have to cut my off right, myself off of news regularly, but we are going to get into some of that, like the Roe v. Wade, because obviously everyone has to talk about it. And um, for me, my personal enemy at this time is the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. We will get into that. That's a pretty worthy enemy. So I am looking forward to hearing more about that. Um, I think a lot of it is not talked about enough. And um, that's definitely on purpose. So, oh, you have no idea on the on purpose part. Oh, I'm sure. I have no fucking doubt on that. Like, all, of all societies, that is the one that knows how to cover shit up. 
up and make things. There's a shine. few. There's a few. No, there. there are, yeah, there's. There, a, are, there are. But it's up there. It's up there. The one of if you rank societies that are good at making things look shiny when they're not shiny, they are very toward the top. Um, I mean, so too, I look pretty young. I mean, to be fair, they do spend a lot of time and money, like the hundred something thousand dollars a month they paid up to improve their public image after the whole Khashoggi thing. Also a part of that. Yeah, I don't that's know what I'm talking like, about. Here's the thing. I don't know if they're the best. I feel like the UAE is just like coasting by more quietly yeah. with like a shinier image, <laughs> but like a lot of repressive shit just going more under the radar. Whereas like Saudi has a bad image and they feel like they need to do a lot of things to like do counter PR. That's a good point. Like it's like Saudi is in the negative balance and they yeah. have to claw their way up or they're trying to and UAE is not like they just got away with it down there Dubai is like island paradise and that's it yeah oh man you do not want me to get me started on a lot of these like model and islands um development projects they've been doing out there it's to get away from like listening to the constantly oppressing news and legal discussions I've been also listening mm-hmm. to uh like urban planning and our architecture podcasts and whatnot. And one of them just completely focused on how wasteful a lot of this sort of like dictator um, um, vanity project spending is, like building an American style suburb on an island of all things. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. On an artificial island. Oh, come live in the luxury suburb where all our lawns look the same and it's but it's like a fake one it's so weird that maybe that is an argument of like life is a simulation like yeah people if people live on a suburb on one of those islands no like once to explain to people once we had a like text conversation like what if none of us live in the cities we think we live in what if we're all just in like simulations in dubai (laughs) Yeah. of New York and whatever other city we're in. <laughs> Funny you uh, should mention that. Um, there's actually a group of Silicon Valley tech bros who are putting seriously serious money into seeing whether or not if they're in the matrix, basically. My and God. So, Alia, welcome to the Tech Bro Conspiracy Club. How do you feel? Um, I feel like... I don't, I feel like this conversation is not even real right now. Yeah, um, it, was, it got dumb. No, no, I, I'm not saying it got dumb. It's just like, now I'm like, are we having this conversation on a island without knowing? Probably. <sighs> I mean, it's yeah. not the worst conspiracy theory I've heard question so just go on tangents like where do flat earthers think the edge is yeah yeah which country or which part of the ocean where does it end ice basically antarctica is an ice wall that surrounds the rim of the world okay but what about like the side oh yeah what about the sides just (laughs) it encircles the world uh there's like maps in the of this i could show you but it's should that be our, oh my god, should that be our, our episode? Our our episode is just the map. With <laughs> like a flat earth Behold map. the ice wall. I mean, it also depends which... Sense. I, I was thinking they thought it was like in the Pacific Ocean. I'm like, have they never tried going there? Weird. Yeah, to just check it out, see if they fall off. <sighs> Again, to escape the news, I've been listening to also a lot of like... Um, explainer podcast and one just went really deep into the whole um, science of flat earth and how they've actually tried to prove it. The problem is, is they ignore a lot of existing science and physics and basically do their own raw science and they're just like more experimentation is needed. It's beautiful. Like the guys who do that, to be honest, are like passionate and they want the truth, but they don't trust established, but they don't, the problem is, is, is a lot of modern science requires and relying on previous science 
to build up your base of knowledge. No one person can build up all the knowledge that's needed to run our modern society with all the physics and chemical processes that are needed to sustain a lot of our junk. So you can't have one person who can do it all, but that's, then you have to start trusting people. Yeah. Some, uh, yes. And scarily, there are people who are really good at getting a lot of others to trust them without much. Trust me when yeah, I say wait, you should just distrust everyone. Before we get into cult talk, what's been going on with you, Nadia, lately? Oh, wait, I, before I get into myself, I just want to, like, before we leave the other conversation, I also want to say, like, on the list of places that are good at covering up bossy shit, I also put, like, Israel really high oh, up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just want to oh, make yeah. sure it gets into the right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. What's up with me? Um... What is up with me? Like, how, how far should I go back? Um, as far as your heart takes you. Maybe at least two. Maybe at least uh, two I was months. born in Delaware. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, this needs to be the Delawareness podcast episode. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So, uh, most recent uh, big thing, I was out of town for most of June. Um, first, I was in Istanbul about a week a week um i was performing at a dance festival with jonah bocare who's a choreographer i work for um dance festival was called impro dance so it's all about different types of improvisational dance um honestly had a great time there um particularly after i'd done my my work and was just kind of hanging out meeting people from the festival getting to be in like a different dance I guess um, trying to contextualize this for people who might not be so in the contemporary dance scene, but I think it's like a lot of other um, contemporary art scenes where if you're in uh, Europe or the United States, there's a lot of things that claim to be very experimental and inclusive and radical, but they also just as actual social environments can be very like pretentious and um, white and exclusive and kind of their own like clickishness uh but when you go to places where those genres or their scenes aren't as established it can be i don't know like all those things just become a lot more real right like if you're choosing to pursue experimental dance in a city where that's like not as funded or established yet as in like say berlin or something like that um I, there's just like a lot more genuine commitment to it sometimes um and i i'm just trying to figure out other ways to say like the people are cooler <laughs> so i met some cool people um not just locally from istanbul but also from uh other places who had come in um oh also like <laughs> something i'll mention here uh, when I was there, whenever I'm like, I want to go to a club, people would just like automatically send me to a gay club, which I like to not mind. But um, yeah, so that 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 that's happened. Um, after that, I kind of took the opportunity to buy an extra round trip ticket to go to Lebanon. Um, was kind of expecting, I don't know, had some ambition to get more connected to like dance, art scene, do things outside my family, which I've been, I probably talked about on this podcast, intending to do for a while. Um, part of it was that I didn't get to set up beforehand because my life was just so hectic, which maybe I'll talk about later if I'm not already talking too much. Um, but yeah, I did some dance things. Um, I took a workshop with Ali Sharhur, who is really cool um and then I kind of like casually taught led a session with Beirut Physical Lab uh that's run by Bassan Aludiab who I knew from um some time he spent in New York uh, again really cool people unfortunately I think the dance scene there is just struggling like everybody else is with the economic situation um but also I kind of just did a lot of like family stuff and a lot of nothing, which I realized I needed once I got there. Um, part of it was just, I was telling y'all too about a little earlier, just like extreme burnout of having not really had a day off, like really off for a really, really long time. Um, 
also just getting increasingly frustrated at the work culture here of like taking two weeks off to spend with your family is considered like such a long time and like such a luxurious thing to be doing and I'm like wait let's like think about the actual context of our lives that are passing us by like is that is that really so long to see your family that you never fucking see ever right um so I was like yeah I'll just do this and like I kind of forgot that like lunch takes five hours and dinner takes six hours and I got frustrated with that a little bit, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's fine. That's just what I'm doing. And Dang. that's just yeah. the Arab time scale. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, that's another thing. Like, and Bassam, I was talking about this with Bassam when I asked him what he like thought about working in New York. And he was like, oh, but I've only been there for a little bit. But his observations being in New York for like a couple of weeks and mine being out of New York for a couple of weeks were kind of the same thing about the way time operates of everything here being so like rigid and packed mm-hmm. in time structure that no one really has any opportunity to like for instance in dance like really explore things and get into process or like just relationally mm-hmm. enough time to chill and hang out with people which comes yeah. down to like money of how expensive it is to be here so everyone's always working and mm-hmm. maybe just money and cultural stuff but it was just I think important for me to be in places where time's just a little bit looser I don't mean to like pin this on other people only Mm -hmm. in New York like other people suck no like I'm, I'm totally like that too and it's important because I think being on time here is being respectful of other people's time and being like no I'm on Arab time when people say that and you're like working in an that. environment here where other people yeah yeah like where people are gonna be fired if you make them stay over somewhere like no that's disrespectful but I also like yeah. to be outside of it and sometimes you just have to fucking leave to get outside of yeah. it yeah um so yeah that was I mean it was also like kind of a rough trip because everyone's just like this is gonna sound weird to say like I don't know if I'm overstating this but I was like am I just picking up on everyone else's depressed vibes? I don't entirely know what's happening. Um, that that was an aspect. Also, like, I've had two grandparents die since the last time I was there, so I kind of underestimated yeah. some of the emotional weight. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was kind of, like, emotionally dense sometimes, but also, like, fun because I got to see my cousin's kids and play with them and hang out with them for a little bit and just seeing family um my grandmother cried about how we were leaving her at the end so that fucked me up yeah um I don't know I I think my values have kind of I've talked about this a bit but Mm -hmm. my values have kind of shifted a little in the last few years I feel like there's a lot of yeah at least in my life generational turnover partially related to the pandemic I mean partially related to just like a lot of people dying in ways either Mm -hmm. loosely or very related to the pandemic um Mm -hmm. about like I feel like my mid like I skipped my mid-20s because of the pandemic and woke up in a different age category and now there's young people that are different than me and my parents are kind of old people and I'm the real adult now and the power dynamic feels different and the idea that like my family structure is oppressive just seems like silly now that I'm, I'm like, wait a second, no, these are just some mm-hmm. nice old people that I'm hearing and I'm an adult who can do whatever I want. Yeah. I don't know. I th- think I, I just felt very strongly that shit had shifted, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel a lot less burnt out overall than I did before I left. Um, I guess for some context, I was working a shit ton uh for Mm -hmm. the few months before I went out of town uh partially related to shit that got pushed back for Omicron a lot of teaching artist work um Mm -hmm. been getting into teaching in public schools which I'm really enjoying but is also the level I was doing of it was kind of like trial by fire I was just like taking gigs as much as I could because I was you know trying to get my feet wet in that Mm -hmm. area um while also being involved in a pretty 
significant dance project. I wrote a script for a production for the first time. So that was exciting, but also just a lot of involvement. That was so good, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, should I talk about, I feel like I'm talking. Yeah. Should I keep no, talking? no, okay. tell the, I want, yeah. Yeah, so um, it was a project with Gotham Dance Theater. Um, it's called Remotions, um, kind of about our experiences during the pandemic, but um, with the script I wrote, it was through the perspective of um, this God character. Um, I spelled her name G-A-W-D, so it's like, oh my God. Um, I love God in that context <laughs> so much. Yeah, wait, should I, um, maybe I'll read I'm not gonna find the character description, but she's basically like the jaded middle manager of the universe. Who's kind of like yeah. all these people think I can fix all their problems, but like right. no, I <laughs> I just work here. Yeah, um, and I I, I, I religiously converted during that show. It's like okay, I'm on board. <laughs> um and yeah, there's there's also like re there's reincarnation in that universe and. Mm -hmm basically looking at the kind of global crisis through the only perspective in which I can make it feel like not such a big deal. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that was also the first time I'd written fiction in a long time. I realized I like fiction. I feel like for some reason I've been pushed into either like um, academic writing uh like cut your veins out personal essays that there's like mm -hmm. a certain industry that's like hungry for a certain type of person to like spill their feelings mm -hmm. or dance criticism and maybe none of those are really my thing maybe when I um said I like writing and people told me to do all those things like I just forgot that fiction is an option so that's a thing I realized about myself um mm -hmm. yeah at the same time I was also doing a piece uh through a residency with LeMay, which is a really cool space and organization in Williamsburg. Um, but the piece I was making was for uh, New York Arab Festival, which had their first year last year. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of cool people involved, probably some someone listening to the podcast probably showed something or was involved in it. Um, and Alia did the music for my piece and was also like really involved in um, creating it, putting together the structure, throwing bags at me mm -hmm. um what <laughs> yeah just in yeah. case anyone doesn't know some jellyfish are immortal yeah we wait so let's explain wait, we should let's yeah. explain that oh. together because the, okay. the jellyfish because that was i thought the idea was bad at first but actually the whole yeah, piece i was like hey yeah. this should be well okay the reason i thought of jellyfish <laughs> in the first place is because nadia had this like I, some of, was it an effect on, I don't know, there was some effect you were using with calligraphy and like projecting it to the wall and it looked yeah. like a jelly, it, it looked like a kaleidoscope and therefore I was like, oh, that looks like a jellyfish. What if we just make this piece about jellyfish? And then we looked more and we thought, wait, there's this immortal jellyfish, like that might be interesting to explore because there's so much more than just the literal immortal jellyfish we can explore it's like what does immortality it, uh, convey you know, like what does it indicate um as far as like what's possible what does immortality even mean um but there's still like this form of death that an even immortal jellyfish has to go through because it's like they reverse they revert back to their beginning stage yeah, over so and over. To, I guess to like yeah. explain like it's immortal because it, it regresses basically. So it goes back, it's like threatened yeah. or it's old or it's um in danger, and then it regresses to like its original state and starts over, which I yeah. thought was just like interesting in terms of like A, how people need to like change in order to survive. So like how changing is both death and survival, and also yeah. like regression as a defense mechanism, also how we regress as we get older. So mm -hmm. yeah, we made a piece. Um, I wrote kind of personal-ish vignettes that are related mm -hmm. to those themes, built a fucking installation, which I didn't realize was an installation until I got there with my suitcase full of like yeah. plastic bags and calligraphy equipment and projection equipment and 
shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, Alia was not able to be there, unfortunately, for the live. Yeah. Because she made a recording. Uh, but maybe we'll do it live. Since we should do it live sometime. Yeah. I really want. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really want to. Yeah. Um, um, everyone, everyone listening, you're invited whenever that uh, happens. No, everyone Before. listening. Um, if anyone wants to book us for a live performance. Oh, um, that's even. Yeah. That even we're better. not that well right now. But if it seems interesting enough that you're thinking, like, I want to see what this is about. Yeah. DM us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, also I was like, if the, the installation part wasn't clear, I was like doing calligraphy that was projected through this filter, live calligraphy, and then it was like projected in a way that looked kind of um, jellyfish-like in the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's all to say, um, if it's not clear for me talking about it, clearly I was doing things that are really important to me and I cared about a lot. Oh, also I did, if we posted the, um, video of the Depke at Queen's Pride yeah was also through Gotham Dance Theater same company I talked about earlier we do a like set with a bunch of different types of dance in the summer so I did some Depke hip-hop fusion of 47 soul and yeah one of the performances we did was at Queen's Pride and it was just really cool to get a good reception of um Arab culture and Palestinian music at a Pride event, given all the pink washy shit that can go on. And thanks, y'all, who were also giving some really nice positive encouragement on our gram. Um, but anyway, I was doing a lot of shit that I cared about a lot, but also was not doing a lot of not shit. Was not was not doing a lot of not shit. Um, <laughs> not not a lot of time where I was not doing shit. Um, not a lot of downtime, not a lot of seeing friends who I wasn't working with at the time. Um, mm -hmm. Just like, yeah, all my downtime was just resting or physical maintenance and that got yeah. lonely. Also had a lot of pent up emotions. Hey uh, guys, can so, we put the video so, feeds yeah. because yeah. Nadia's breaking up. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll go a little bit. Um, we're not going to edit this, so you're going to say. Yeah, no uh, editing. You no. guys, you all, I didn't you all care did it about, all. Um, so the theme is um, burn up even if you love what you're doing. Yeah. That's something I have to say. Thank you for coming to you. Um, I yeah, think that's I got, all I got. <laughs> I think there was some cutting out there, but I think you you were saying burnout can happen no matter what. Did I say like something you, again? Just like no, I think I think all most of it, of it got through. Most of it got yeah. through, but in short, okay. Okay. yeah, you can burn out even when you're doing what you love. Yeah, and that yeah. should be acknowledged. Um. Um. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, that was one of my highlights so far this year is you know working on that immortal jellyfish project it got me into an artistic space once a week for a while and um definitely you know reminded me how much i needed that um another let's see okay what else has been going on i am I, i'm oh actually i should talk about this a little bit um i was part of the queer urban orchestra for a while spill. and yeah let's spill this tea um and the artistic director long story short was extremely dismissive when the um the assistant conductor who is a trans woman resigned and she sent everyone you know a notice and explained how she had been constantly overlooked as a trans woman and her opinions on like stipends for visiting artists like particularly trans artists um they were being completely ignored and there was a clear discrepancy of you know um the cis white artists were getting paid like a we, I don't know the numbers, but like they were definitely getting paid higher 
she brought this up in several of their board meetings and she was constantly shut down, you know, told that, you know, this, there was this particular um, artist, uh, I think who's non-binary, if I remember the specifics correctly, um, who was like, in, in, in the board's words, up and coming and therefore not being as established of an artist um, justified being paid less. But they obviously failed to recognize that there are barriers in place that prevent someone from getting to that status, quote unquote, in the first place. Um, and, you know, this was a way to like, give some, give someone the opportunity to experience like equal pay and equal recognition. And that was just, you know, not happening. So anyway, that's a long story to just say that I quit that orchestra or over that. And so now Can I'm I ask, another... like, what, what's yeah. been the fallout? Cause we talked about this before, but mm -hmm. what's been have a lot of other people quit like what's nope. been the fallout within that organization no i i know it. i i know of exactly one other person who quit um and i could you know may, there might have been more and i'm just not aware but the last video which was not very long ago from their last concert i see pretty much everyone's still there so that was very disappointing and the um i will say the artistic director has resigned and okay. he yeah but still i mean he will he has not once directly addressed the assistant conductor who quit and that alone and the board's unwillingness to hold him accountable and to address the the woman who had to resign originally like they have just not done they have not given any follow-through they've never like they've never once brought her into a conversation with all of us they had a meeting with all of us to including the artistic director they didn't invite her the Shut person up. yeah they didn't invite her they the the meeting was simply talking about her um didn't give her the opportunity to like defend herself um so that alone, I, you know, that alone just validated my decision to quit. And, it, you know, it was obviously disappointing to have to leave that group. I, uh, you know, I joined it thinking like, oh, here's a classical music space that's going to be um, safe because a lot of queer musicians will agree with me that like, you know, there aren't that many of those. I mean, it's yeah I, I don't know it, it was disappointing um but I joined a new orchestra it's called Litha Symphony Orchestra um and there is another member in there who was part of Queer or Urban Orchestra and she and I she and I like locked eyes I think the first rehearsal we were like oh <laughs> and so during a break like during that rehearsal break we were both like oh okay why did you leave and you know it, we both left because of the toxic um, yeah. culture of it. Um, so it was good to know at least like one other person wasn't going to tolerate that. But yeah, I I don't know. And it's it's a community orchestra. It's like whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. also disappointing when things are like parading themselves as queer and inclusive. Exactly. And it's expectations that they're going to be not as shitty as everybody else, but then yeah. they are. And then they prove otherwise. And all it is is a repeated cycle of like the cis white males will always stay at the top, unfortunately. Um, and they're not doing anything to combat that. I have a so, question. Yeah. I have yeah, a question. Yeah. When you say that, like, you feel that classical music spaces are not always uh, very safe for queer people. Do you mm -hmm. feel like that includes um, cis queer men? Do you feel like um, they're also to a pretty large extent? I, I don't know. I'm not in classical music. Yeah. Space. I mean, I 
I think it's getting less and less of a problem. I know, you know, there was a time when you think about like the demographic of people who are in the audience, people who like flock to classical music spaces. I mean, it's just been a very like hetero, um, it's a very patriarchal space on um in general and then it's like hetero cis dominated um and very classist and i think classism is very intertwined with that um hierarchy and so you know i think over time like and i don't want to speak for like gay men so i yeah i don't i don't want to Safe. Yeah, I guess but, I, I'm yeah. coming at it from a perspective of like comparing it to like classical dance, where I right. think it's it's complicated because I think there are a lot of um, like cis gay men and like the leadership positions in like ballet, for yeah. example. So it's not like marginalized in terms of not giving access, but then there's also like a mm-hmm. lot of internalized homophobia from those people and like policing yeah. of gender expression within the like queer men category and like yeah very like heteronormative presenting and I think like covering up of the um like during the AIDS uh crisis like the covering up of the presence of gay people in the dance scene was very related to like you can be gay but it has to be very like closeted and now it's like yeah you have to be presenting in a certain way um but also it's different than like women and trans people who are yeah excluded from leadership positions you know it's, it's just a different situation exactly like different yeah I think it's just like different battles that are being yeah. fought um and I mean I know when I was in like middle and high school I mean this is ridiculous but like um I remember there you know the boys who played the flute like they were just like mocked and all these like instruments were gen so gendered <laughs> like yeah. um which is so fucking ridiculous it's like the lower the instrument the more manly you are or the you know and so like if you had like a boy in middle school choosing the flute you know he you know there was the whole like oh you're doing yeah you're you're you know you're either gay or you're like you just don't know how to be a real boy and you know that but I mean I'm talking like the 90s for me like late 90s um but I think yeah I think now like you said Nadia I think a lot of it is just like more I I think it's more kind of maybe I don't I don't even know like I don't yeah I I keep I keep wanting to say like white cis gay men have it easier in these in these spaces but and then at the same time I'm like okay can I speak for them yeah yeah. around enough to I think it's it's kind of we can objectively say who's positions of power or even just position I think I misspoke to specify I meant women are excluded from leadership positions in dance often and then like trans people are just excluded from participation a yeah. lot more um yeah so but yeah. I think we effectively say totally. who's around even if we can't say like are they having a good time and speak for other people that's true yeah that's true <laughs> um yeah exactly I mean and even in queer urban orchestra where like you would expect that not to be the case it's like okay yep the trans trans conductor is pushed out and the POC artists are not featured and I mean we had like a couple POC composers but in our repertoire that's it it's like okay we're just gonna keep this cycle going and so you know I I was I was like okay this is not the space where I need to be putting my time um and thankfully Litha Litha Symphony so far has been you know it's it's felt like the right move um and i'm still scratching the itch of like playing my western classical you know 
repertoire, which is just what I grew up and was trained on. And whether I like to admit it or not, like I, I want to engage with that music every so often. Um, and so that's the space that I'm doing that in. Um, I'm also trying to, I'm teaching a student and I'm trying to, you know, give her more than just that. Um, so we're working on some different, uh, like I'm, I'm teaching, I've been teaching this violin student for two years and doing the Suzuki method, which if anyone listening knows, it's just like a standardized, like a very specific lineup of repertoire. I think, I think it's over nine books now that it's like all these Western classical composers. And, you know, I, I think the method itself works really well. It, um, it's effective. It's like very aural based ear training is the main focal point over like reading notes and but i'm also trying to give her things besides that um what else is going on okay and then another music thing i'm i've been doing is i'm experimenting more with my loop pedal and just like seeing what that's I can do like that's my personality now so I'm just I've been playing around with like different tools and effects and stuff like that um and yeah uh the past couple months have been like especially intense for me um in May I went through a medical procedure that took up like half of the month and then once I was recovered from that, my uh, stepmother got very ill and she ended up in the hospital and a few days later she passed away. So that happened a couple weeks ago. Um, this is my sister's mother. So we share the same father and um, I have been close with my sister's mother since I was 16. Um, so it was the the past few days have been extremely heavy um so i went i went to where my sister is and went to the funeral i rode in the car with her behind the hearse and like held her hand and like went through all of her mother's things like the the days following that and it was just like it oh, was a really that's the hardest. Yeah, it really is. And just figuring out what what to keep and what not to. And it's it's really hard because everything feels important because it's like this is a piece of this person. Um, and so I'm still kind of processing all of that. I just got back last night, late last night. Um, and it's just been kind of a blur, uh, like the past couple months, especially the past like few weeks. Um, and yeah, I, I do want to start doing podcast episodes more regularly. Um, and mm -hmm. I'm hoping things will like calm down a little bit. I, I, I keep for like, it's easy to forget for me at least how much I need this podcast like these conversations are really important and they like they always make me at the end they always make me feel like grounded um and like okay we've put away every distraction and just we're just having a conversation for like an hour yeah um speaking yeah of, um... yeah go for it I'm kind of, we're, I just want to say. Oh, time-wise. Uh, yeah, yeah. time-wise too. But let me just give you the rundown. Okay. Speaking yeah. of cleansing and catharsis, let's speed run the things that have been bothering me. Um, the Saudi. <laughs> <laughs> so much for speed running it. Um, All right, basically Saudi the shit. Saudi um, investment fund. They're investing in more things. It's been making me super grumpy lately and just having not anyone to like explain this to has been driving me crazy. I was a little happy when they lost a little money. Like they admitted they lost money because of the WeWork and Uber um, losses, but they've been doing pretty well. And unfortunately they are 
well, as discussed, um, pretty good at hiding and are one of the least transparent funds in the world. There's, of course, uh, Roe v. Wade ruling, which has bigger implications than that. The fact that um, Justice Thomas basically specifically called out um, several other cases I want to review that include gay marriage, um, basically the legality of sodomy and what, like Lawrence, and all those other good things that are directly coming after queer people. Oh, so fun. Uh, there was a new court uh, ruling that just came up on the horizon that said it was okay to put a store. This is a um, local court ruling, I think, in Tennessee that says that it's okay to place um, no Jews allowed signs in your in your store window and do that so long as there's a, some other place that will serve Jews. So those are the cases we have to look forward to. I don't imagine they'll get any further than the appeals, but, Jesus. you know... I, I like, I, I wish I had a little hope for that one, but you know, could go either way. Uh, yeah. Personally, just working, work, work, work. Very burnt out as a result. So I am yeah. once again looking for something else to do. And yeah, I'm just happy to be doing this podcast again with y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I miss this. It feels yeah. really good. We should do more of these, like just us episodes. People like them. Oh, yeah, they do. I mean, you know what? I will. We should uh, dig up the stats later on. Okay. Maybe okay. we'll tweet about it or something. I think sure. there's a difference in how many people listen versus how many people like it when they do listen. Because I understand that, like, when it's a guest, like, people who are familiar with that guest will go to the episodes, watch them, or watch. That's what you do with podcasts. You watch them. You watch the podcast intently. Yes. So they go to that episode to watch the person they know and that contributes to stats um yeah but i don't know if you're a regular listener and you like to hear us just talk about our lives seriously um, tweet at us let us know yeah i have no idea i assume like most people come to this podcast for the guests because our guests are awesome but maybe y'all were curious about um yeah, but yeah. I mean, because we're like all questions every week are doing <laughs> we're like all very all right. hot and obviously it improves their point their success of having a parasocial relationship with us that will benefit them. yeah yeah. So obviously. I, obviously. I, yeah. Massive sarcasm. Um, oh my god. Um, um, I have two people I need to reach out to to schedule episodes. Um, but yeah, that that's coming. Yeah. Apologies if you've been waiting for like a response to something for a while. Um, or yeah. Not been as in tune. I mean, not not like just apologies that you've been waiting. Not apologizing in general because this is our podcast and we do what we want with it but if we said specifically that we're going to get back to you like yeah well, that well, part I we're just working that, it. yeah that part I, I really am feeling bad about and I'm going to prioritize that now that I am back all right uh I think that's all the time we have wait do you want to talk about Saudi shit uh no we'll, we're going to do an episode on that remember oh just like a separate okay got it I just wanted to make sure oh no we are we're, we're going to town on this this we're gonna go hard we're gonna go fast and it is going that's to make what she said thank you alia i missed that uh but <laughs> we're gonna go we're gonna we're gonna go into it because at this point i feel like anyone who's like even slightly related in the sort of nerd or sports related spheres are basically giving money to the Saudis whether they know it or not, and it kind of sucks. That includes people who love shit like, say, Nintendo, which they just bought an 8% stake in. Mm. Yes, Nintendo has been tainted, folks. I already have my Nintendo Switch, no going back. Well, I mean, none of the money you have given them so far matters in that sense. But That's good. Yeah, I mean, your Switch, totally Saudi- benefit free anything from here like anything from like next quarter on though i mean they only it's only an eight percent stake so it's non-controlling they don't have any say of how things are done but (sighs) yeah stocks good thing i have quite a few games to get through it'll take me a while to beat all of them so fair yeah um yeah so we'll get all Sorry. Oh, if we're doing episodes where we just like talk shit about things, maybe I should bring Layla on and we can just rant about Israeli contemporary dance. Please do. Yes. Public international obsession, obs- the obsession with it. 
Please, yes. Yeah. Let's, right. yeah. let's ask Layla. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And if not, just talk shit about them. I mean, we're, we're starved content, and I feel like we're just leaning right into our stereotypes if we talk shit about um, the Israeli government. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's do it. That's fine. Low-hanging fruit. That yeah, I'm cool yeah. with that stereotype. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks all for listening, and I hope you are cool with the non-edited quality of this um because i am i hope you two are too also like let us know if you i don't know who's gonna like specifically dm us be like we dislike it when you talk about yourselves and when it's unedited but you know we're giving your permission <laughs> yeah, we, we ask imagine. let us know if you care about editing because it does take a long time and it'd be nice to know yeah if it's for a purpose i heard from I one think I person right now oh no you didn't I heard okay. from one person who shall not be named that it was unprofessional of us to not edit out the ums and the uhs. And that was like toward the beginning of the podcast. And that got in my head and I got all self-conscious and I started being pretty meticulous about that. But I am now thinking maybe I overthought that. Wait, was that me? So, if it's me, I'm sorry. It was not you. It was not you. Uh, no. I guess what I'm thinking is maybe it's better to like do podcasts and not edit them versus to not do podcasts very much and edit them. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the part that is a challenge um, to find that slice of time per week. Like it's it it takes like a couple hours at least for each episode. So yeah. Let us know if you have any feedback. Okay, um, Ellie is just turned on her camera and was like, I gotta go. So, <laughs> bye. Bye. All right. I love Thanks you. Thanks all for listening. Love bye. you. Talk to you later. Thanks all for listening.